Welcome to this podcast from the Respiratory and Cell Molecular Biology Assembly of the American Thoracic Society. In this interview, our discussion, Dr. Irina Petrake shares her experience and opinion on the outbreak of lung injury cases associated with e-cigarettes or vaping use. Dr. Petrake is the Division Chief of Pulmonary Clinical Care in Sleep Medicine and the Wallowick Chair in COPD Research at National Jewish Health in Denver, Colorado. Good afternoon, Dr. Petrake. Good afternoon, Dr. Serban, and uh, hello to everyone who's uh, listening to this podcast. It is an honor to be a part of it today. Dr. Petrake, scientists have published on the negative pulmonary and systemic effects of e-cigarettes and vaping, but we have not enjoyed the kind of press and national coverage we see now with the outbreak of ERDS cases related to vaping. Are we, as physicians and scientists, ready to make a definitive statement? Thank you for this question and for highlighting that research in this area has begun many years ago, I would say even eight to ten years ago, since this, uh, this product and alternative uh, products of, to tobacco smoking have um, emerged on the market. I think the attention to this issue uh, now is proportional to the severity of the cases that have uh, really um, emerged in all states, or almost all states in our country, um, and have uh, even taken the lives of um, young people with otherwise uh, few comorbidities. So in a way, uh, it is not surprising that there's intense and an urgency to uh, find answers to this, um, this problem. I think uh, many agencies and groups of scientists and physicians have by now iterated a, a response to uh, this epidemic and to the public who's obviously concerned about what's going on. Uh, beginning with the uh, CDC, who is um, uh, constantly issuing updates on uh, the situation of, of this condition, um, including the most recent, uh, highlighting the urgency and also the need to consider alternative causes for ARDS, not forgetting the flu season is going to be upon us pretty soon, to the ATS itself, who has issued a statement um, and a position that to which, uh, as a member, I adhere to and as well as a scientist. Furthermore, uh, National Jewish Health, uh, our institution, has, I think, been at the forefront of this epidemic um, for quite some time. We have issued statements in the local press. And um, also what is unique about National Jewish Health is that we are hosting the quit line, which has traditionally helped individuals quit um, cigarette smoking, and we are offering a similar, uh, highly valuable opportunity and help to quit to those who are addicted to e-cigarette use, including teenagers and uh, young adults. Dr. Petraia, can you tell us more about your research on the e-cigarettes and vaping effects in the lungs? Yes, I'll be happy to. 
as uh, some of you know, our laboratory has had a long interest in uh, elucidating the pathogenesis of COPD, in particular emphysema, which um, is associated and caused primarily in developed countries by exposure to uh, tobacco smoke. Uh, during that research, we were interested in uh, how much is nicotine itself responsible for some of the damage that tobacco smoke causes to the um, vascular endothelium. And the reason we were interested in the vascular endothelium is because in emphysema, there has been a clear recognition that together with the loss of terminal bronchioles and uh, epithelial cells lining the alveolus, there's a pruning and the damage to the, the endothelium as well. Um, in addition, endothelium is a principal player in lung inflammation, being one of the first affected by any injury in the lung. And uh, finally, we all recognize that COPD and emphysema have a systemic component of comorbidities and injury, which again require an endothelial barrier to be breached and crossed by the tobacco smoke. So in that context, we evaluated the effect of nicotine on the endothelium, and we have published this work in 2015, have showed some of the results at ATS meetings and other international meetings, we were struck by how potent nicotine is at damaging uh, the endothelial barrier, at actually breaching the endothelial barrier. By then, e-cigarette use uh, became quite popular, and uh, initially it was touted as a tool to aid in um, smoking cessation and even started as a safer uh, way of inhaling nicotine. So we quickly adapted our research to ask the question whether that indeed is true. So we compared head-to-head -head the effect of soluble concentrated extracts of cigarette smoke with that of e-cigarette juice and e-cigarette condensate. We noticed that the e-cigarette juice or condensate were not safe. They were not innocuous. They did cause a breach in endothelial barrier, which was in part nicotine dependent, but in uh, large part also nicotine independent in that the flavors and the vehicle used to um, uh, formulate these uh, e-juices did have an effect of, of their own. And um, obviously this uh, led to uh, further research into this area and understanding the mechanisms by which this occurs, our work contributed to a larger, uh, increasing amount of data from many other laboratories that have um, shown that e-cigarette um, vaping also injures epithelial cells, causes an oxidative stress response and um, also in, in vivo, in animal models, causes a fibrotic response as well. In this context, I understand that um, research products that we use to test the effect of nicotine on cells and animals are regulated. How about the e-cigarettes and the real vaping products that you use currently in your research? Are they research grade or do you use real products? 
Yes, this is a good question, and it's an area that evolves quite rapidly. Historically, we have used commercially available products, and uh, when we first visited an Evade store in Indianapolis, we were struck by the variety of products that are being offered without uh, any ingredient list associated with them. And um, we pretty much randomly picked commercially available products based on their names. And um, uh, we can go into the humor part of, of the choices, but for the sake of brevity, I would say that for a very long time, there was no research-grade e-vaping or e-juice product. Very recently, uh, this has been made available by um, our federal agencies in, after quite a large effort due to, again, the difficulty in standardizing a product that varies with each manufacturer. And it's not only that the nicotine concentration of the vehicle varies, but even the flavors may have different provenience, which may or may not be under our um, government purview or our country's regulations or standards. So if you add to that the black market product, uh, you can see that the permutations become um, very difficult to manage in a laboratory setting. However, we are happy to see that a standardized product is available to at least measure various commercially available products against the standard and also to be able to validate some of our results from laboratory to laboratory. Some other Investigators use uh, optical density as a measure of standardization. Uh, we have used nicotine concentration in the nicotine-containing products as a measure of, of comparison to tobacco smoke and among products. The nicotine-free flav uh, flavors or juices, I should say, have been standardized primarily by volume equivalent to the nicotine-containing counterpart. So the reason to use real products is because of this um, uh, dramatic change and constant change in the product offering and the unknown uh, ingredient list in each of these products. So perhaps um, having a regulatory demand that at least consumers know what they are inhaling and having the concentrations and um, ingredients listed by the manufacturers, I think it would be a very good start. Do you think that the delivery method of the e-cigarette or vaping products matters? In research setting? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I believe so. When we compared, um, again, in this soluble format to mimic what endothelial cells would be exposed to in vivo, um, they are obviously endothelial cells are not at a liquid interface. So they would see perhaps some of 
the components of the e condensate or e vapor, I should say, that uh, traverse um, the alveolar endothelial barrier and then are found circulating. So to mimic that, we always use the condensate. And um, the condensate, we've compared true condensate of the e vapor, so the vapor that is obtained after heating the e juice. And I think that is the most accurate element to expose our, ourselves to because there is a change in chemicals that results from the heating of the original e-juice that we and others have identified. And these uh, byproducts or chemicals tend to be more harmful, more irritant, um, more reactive than the original ingredients in the e-juice. So I, I believe that um, we get closer to reality, to modeling the in vivo exposure of human lungs to e-vaping by using either vapor exposure of air liquid interface, um, grown epithelial cells, or e-vape condensate if we are to expose cells that are cultured um, in submerged cultures mimicking the interstitial or intravascular environment. Obviously, there are animal models of uh, e-cigarette exposure, which add the complexity of our lungs into the modeling, and the preferred exposure for these uh, models would be that to e-vapor that is obtained by heating e-juice in appropriate uh, cartridges, etc. How do your observations link to the systemic and pulmonary effects seen in the current outbreak? This is a difficult question to answer with um, accuracy because we still don't know exactly whether there's a unified single pathology of the acute lung injury noticed um, in the, um, the unfortunate cases that have succumbed from this uh, condition and have provided samples for our pathologists to identify the type of lung injury that occurred. What we know they all have in common is the degree of acute lung injury and acute lung inflammation which requires a breach of the endothelial barrier. Obviously, there is a presumed breach of the epithelium as well as a varying degree of and types of inflammatory reaction to this damage. The common denominator is that of lung inflammation and breach of the endothelial barrier, which is required for, the, for both uh, leak of um, plasma and alveolar edema that is underlying uh, ARDS, as well as um, the transmigration of inflammatory cells from the circulation into the lung interstitium. So from that perspective, our research may provide some mechanisms by which the e-vape exposure causes some of this acute lung injury. 
we did not expect at the time of our research uh, for the work to be in the context of acute lung injury. We hypothesized that there will be micro-injuries and inflammation that occurs at a repetitive and minimal level that over time would cause some of the remodeling seen in COPD. So that was our hypothesis at that time. But with this new epidemic, we are rethinking uh, our results and how they could inform this uh, very acute, very dramatic damage of the lungs. Perhaps with the recognition that many of these cases had or at the origin of the insult, they had inhalation of products other than nicotine in a classical e-juice vehicle where there were additives such as vitamin E-like products or THC, etc. Perhaps, uh, again, modeling what these lungs are being exposed to would uh, further inform on the mechanism. Going Back to clinic, what is your personal advice for the trainees and the physician caring every day for individuals who use e-cigarettes or vaping for smoking cessation? Yes, as clinicians, we get this question a lot from our patients or their loved ones, knowing how addictive tobacco smoking is. And this is especially pertinent since, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, e-cigarette use was introduced as a smoking cessation aid by the companies who um, are selling these products. The advice that I give my patients is that smoking cessation is important and um, that using products that have been shown in clinical trials to be safer for this smoking cessation is the way to go. Every drug that has been introduced for smoking cessation has side effects, but at least we know what they are, and they are produced by pharmaceutical companies who are vouching for the ingredients and have a known concentration, so we at least know what we're dealing with and know how to manage, recognize and manage side effects. With the new epidemic of ARDS, it is very difficult to currently recommend vaping as a means of smoking cessation. And uh, until we know more, if there are any vaping products that are different um, as a smoking cessation tool and do not have associated risks, are a deterrent now to their use. So until we know more, I would recommend that um, individuals avoid uh, vaping. Dr. Petraka, thank you for this very interesting conversation. I would like to conclude our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening to us. And I thank you again for the opportunity to speak, and I wanted to give kudos to RCMB for doing research in this area as